You're listening to the Moms Unscripted Podcast. I would love for you to stand next to me, but you cannot lick my arm. So, you are an overachiever in your sex life. I mean, life. I could teach a class on it. There's just a lot of poop all over everything, <laughs> all the time. Well, and really, I just deflect. If there's man topics, I'm like, yeah, that's not what we do here. Okay, today we are talking about intimacy and body image and how the two impact one another. But first, I feel like I need to fill you guys in on something that happened to me um, that involved both of these things. So I like to keep things interesting in my marriage. And sometimes that effort makes it a little too interesting. So a few years ago, our kids were at their grandparents for the night. And so Joe and I decided that it would be fun to go skinny dipping in the hot tub in our backyard. And there's houses on either side, which are pretty close, but our fences are really high. So we were like, there is no risk of our neighbors looking over the fence or seeing us. So we were hanging out in our backyard in the water, totally naked, just like floating and chit-chatting and talking with each other when we all of a sudden could hear some voices next door, which we thought, no big deal. Our fence is high enough, you know, no problem whatsoever. But then we recognized that it was actually our neighbors who were on their roof next door. (laughs) And not only was it our direct neighbors, but it was also some neighbors from down the street who had come over because we had had a a hailstorm a few days before. And so they were all checking out their roof to make sure that there was no hail damage. And so I'm like contemplating, like how long can I hold my breath? Can I go under the water for an extended amount of time? And I'm looking at Joe, like, what are we gonna do? Cause I can't run, neither of us can run into the house cause obviously they're gonna see us. Uh And so I'm hoping they haven't noticed that we're in the backyard, but then all of a sudden we hear one of our neighbors yell down, hey guys, great news. (laughs) No hail damage, but Joe, you need a tan. (laughs) So, um, we had to move after that, basically. The entire (laughs) neighborhood, the community. So collectively, how many were on the roof? Uh, There were six neighbors up on the roof, checking stuff out. Yeah, they were Um, checking stuff out, all right. That's right. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, so it was one of, uh, it still makes my palms sweaty. Oh my goodness. Thinking about it. Because there was an Mm -hmm. audience. Yeah. Exactly. Like typically when you're skinny dipping, it's kind of just on your own, kind of like off right. by yourself, right? Maybe exactly. with some friends. Exactly. But yeah. And it's so the interesting thing is like I've gone skinny dipping at the beach and that was a choice, right? But when it's your neighbors, mm-hmm. it just takes oh, it up no, to a level yeah. that feels so like intimate and vulnerable. <laughs> What's the conversation when you're leaving from work at the same time yeah, like, in oh, the driveway sure. and they see you? Like, how does that go? Hey, uh, hey uh, have a good day. Did, did you did you start a tanning regiment yet? Because I was just curious. <laughs> like, how exposed were you, Mandy? Like, you're like underwater a little or you're, no. I I wish that was the case. So you know how like when you're in a hot tub and it gets kind of hot. So you like put your feet up on one side and you put your arms up on the other and you're kind of like starfish on the top. It was the full, I mean, they, yeah. All you needed was a photographer the way you were doing that. Okay, so I have a question. So did they say anything to you afterwards? Um, it was just was like it neighborly chit chat. We all pretended that nothing happened. And then, no, I'm, I'm serious. Yeah. We moved like six months yeah. after um, for a lot of different reasons, but it was just such a relief. Like, oh, oh none of man. these new neighbors have seen me naked. So <laughs> <laughs> I, I think it's so fascinating that our bodies are our home on earth. And yet so many people don't feel at home in mm. their body mm. and how we relate to our bodies 
impacts everything, right? From how we mother and what our kids pick up from us to our intimacy and how we interact with our spouse. And so that's what we're talking about today, intimacy and body image. And we are so thrilled that Desiree Fortin is joining us. She is a mom to triplets and recently added a baby girl to her family. She's a blogger and you can find her at theperfectmomblog.com or on Facebook or Instagram as The Perfect Mom. Desiree, we're so excited to get to talk with you. For our listeners who are meeting you for the first time, will you tell us a little bit about yourself, your family and your path to motherhood? Yes, of course. Well, it's an absolute honor to be here with you guys today and to just share my heart and my story. Um, my name is Desiree and I have four kids. I um, have, they're almost six year old triplets. And I can't even, I just, I'm like, how, how are we here? How are we almost six? But I have six year old triplets and I have a precious six month old baby girl who was a full on surprise for our family. Um, my husband and I struggled with infertility for, um, years before we ended up doing fertility treatment. And that's how we got our triplets. They are our our little 5% miracle babes that we just, you know, when the doctor says you have a 5% chance of, you know, one of those embryos splitting, believe them because <laughs> it might happen to you. <laughs> so we were in a bit of a shock when we found out we were having triplets. Uh, and then I, I'm not sure actually what was more shocking, finding out that I was having triplets or finding out that I got pregnant on my own uh, last year. So <laughs> it was very, it was a very exciting uh, year for us, uh, finding out that we were having another another little baby girl and um it's an absolute blessing it's been just a, such a joy and actually a really redeeming experience for me mm. one baby is a little bit different than three you know <laughs> <I'm sure. laughs> and they all can help they're at a good oh, age yes yeah, yeah. Very you know true. i was kind of like worried about that age gap but uh but they're like my little helpers yeah. you know that's what that's the beauty of having older babies older kiddos um and, and a newborn that's so awesome. One thing that we absolutely love about you is your vulnerability and honesty on social mm. and just talking about motherhood in general and recognizing that it is awesome and hard at the same time. But one thing we wanted to talk with you about today is a post that you did recently on Instagram where you showed your postpartum stomach and it was shocking, a comment that someone left. Um, this is what they said. Just because you don't care how your body looks, I wouldn't share these horror images on Instagram and scare future mothers who do care. Mm. Even just reading it is like, mm. makes me so angry. Cringe, um, cringe, Doesn't it make cringe. you cringe? Yeah. Yes. I just am mm -hmm. like, oh, like it's- <clears throat> Like who, oh. who has the audacity to type that out in the first place? Like just be honest. Where me. is she? I know. Point her Let out us at him. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but Sadly, you? I mean, there are, unfortunately, just being in, um, that's the, that's, that's what comes with being in this space of, uh, the world of influencing when you're, when you're, if for anyone really, actually, if you're going to be vulnerable and put yourself out there, sometimes there are going to be people who are going to come back and just say really awful, hurtful things. Mm -hmm. And, um, and that was one of those things that I was like, whoa, ouch, you're like, you're really going across that boundary and, and coming into my space. And, um, I, you know, so motherhood, it comes with so many, um, it comes with a variety of ups and downs. And one of the things I think that as moms, after we have our babies, that we have to learn to, um, 
just love all over again is our bodies. And for me, when I had the triplets, my body changed dramatically. I mean, I stretched and stretched and stretched. I carried these three babies in my body. And I mean, my doctor measured me at 52 weeks pregnant. Like that doesn't exist, you know? And so Mm. after they were born, um, there was just loose skin, things that just, uh, you know, you always hear the term bounce back and you just don't bounce back. You have a new body and you have to learn to love and appreciate and honor that body for all that it did. Um, And when you are able to come to a place of shifting that perspective in your mind, you can really like love yourself. And I, I, for me, it took a lot of time after the triplets to be intentional about doing that because I knew that if I didn't, I would get stuck in this place of, of just hating how I felt about me. And, and it's not a good place for anyone. You you know, we've, we've been, all of us have been there before growing up in high school. We, we don't, but those are the worst feelings. And after you have a baby, your body does change and it's important for you to be intentional about um, loving yourself. Mm-hmm. I think we, our bodies go through so many transitions, right? Like whether it's postpartum mm-hmm. or even as we approach summer, I know summer brings a lot of anxiety for some women as they think about what, uh, I'm, I'm using air quotes for those who can't see me, but like a perfect summer body, yeah, right? Your, body mm-hmm. is more your beach body. Exactly. You're not under sweaters mm-hmm. anymore, right? Exactly. Mm-hmm. So what ideas or words would you offer to women who are feeling that sense of dread or anxiety about a perfect summer body? I, you know, there's a, there's a few things I would say. Um, I would say, put on your suit and make the memories with your kids um, because they're going to look back at those moments and they're going to remember that you were you were digging in the sand, building a sandcastle with them, that you were jumping the waves with them in the ocean. They're not going to care like that you, like what your body looks like. They're not going to care about that. Mm-hmm. You need to get to a place where you can um, just say, I'm going to put on this suit and I'm going to rock it and I'm going to feel good doing it. I, for me with Cambria, my, my fourth uh, little one that was born, um, back in uh, September, um, I, it was probably, what well, it was February. I, we went to a little staycation and I, uh, to be honest, was kind of in this struggle with my postpartum body. I'm like, Oh, I just, I'm not feeling that great. And I was just like, you know what? I'm just going to put my suit on and I'm going to go and I'm going to choose to feel good. And mm-hmm. I feel like it like birthed this confidence mm-hmm. in me that like, I, I am, I am beautiful. I did an amazing thing by carrying all four of my kids Mm -hmm. into this world. And when you can just use words like, um, find something, this is something I always say is find the beauty. So look at yourself in the mirror and find something beautiful about yourself that you can say out loud. I love my I love my breasts because they help take care of my kids and feed them. I love my um, stomach because it grew three human beings at one time. Um, Mm -hmm. And when you say those type of things over and over, it really helps your perspective shift and it helps you no longer see like, oh my gosh, all those, all that sag. Like, no, it's, Mm. it's because of that, that I was able to stretch and able to carry my babies. You know what I mean? Like having that, uh, it takes time, but having that perspective is so important for you to be able to embrace and honor and celebrate your new body. Mm. And I love that you say it's a choice. Mm-hmm. It is. It really is because sometimes, um, because we can choose to to not love our bodies, um, but it requires intention to choose that. Mm-hmm. That's good. Okay. Mm-hmm. I'm curious because 
I find it so fascinating that our body image is so tied to our sex lives. And this is an area that you and your husband have made a huge priority in your marriage with small kids. And so we want to hear your pointers. We want to hear your tips. You did something (laughs) hilarious on Instagram about, about postpartum sex. So we want to give us all, all the details. Oh man, you guys, I, you know, it's something that needs to be talked about more because, Mm -hmm. ah, (laughs) let's do it this is the place to talk about it Mm -hmm. it does and uh i for me just after having the triplets i i went through postpartum depression and anxiety i mean i can count on one hand how many times my husband and i had sex in a whole year like it was just a really hard season for me and so i knew especially going into um this pregnancy with cambria like the things that we needed to do to not have that experience again. Um, and you, you know, you learn more as you go, of course. Um, but postpartum sex is hard. And, um, my husband and I, my husband and I have had to have a lot of honest conversations. And for me, especially this time around, uh, I feel touched out and it's probably because, I mean, I felt it before with the triplets, but I'm also, I've been nursing my daughter. Um, and so I just, my boobs are just kind of not, I'm not feeling that like, you know, I'm good, you know? And so my husband had to, I had to tell him, I need you to be more, um, we need to be intimate in ways, uh, like, just hold me, hold me and talk to me about my day. Be, let's be intimate in other ways before we dive right into sex, because that is going to fulfill me and get me more in the mood as opposed to like, oh, is tonight the night? You know what I mean? Like that doesn't really get me going, especially after I've like birthed the child out of my vagina. You know what I mean? Like I need some like romance. I need to kind of get there. And, um, and I think that that happens by having like honest conversation and connecting in intimate ways rather than physical ways, because I think those moments are what uh, bring that kind of connection physically, um, at least for me personally. And, um, and, and even with, with the triplets, I had a C-section and with Cambria, I had a vaginal delivery. My body went through a lot both times. And, um, and, you know, even though I wanted I feel like you want that first like time after you have a baby, that first time you have sex after a baby to be just great. Right. But I'm sorry. It's just, I just felt like I just had to do it so we could just get back into our groove too. You know right. what I mean? Like right. it just is one of those real. things that, yes, like it's, it takes mm-hmm. time. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And, and lots of lube. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. Yes. Lots and lots and lots of lube. Yes. It's even, you know, my husband and I, we, with, with going through infertility, we had never, um, like used any birth control after I had the triplets because I'm like, well, I mean, I can't get pregnant. Well, I didn't think I could get pregnant. Right. So then Cambria was born and I was like, we have got to figure out birth control. And so we landed on condoms which we have never used before. And I've never, I've never seen so many brands of condoms in my life. I didn't know what, what condom do we use, you know? And so I'm talking to my audience about this and they're like, do not use the, the warming condom. It's like fire in your vagina. <laughs> what? There's a warming? I don't know. Okay. It's, it's tricky. Let's just say that. It's <laughs> Is it warming for you too? Or just the vagina? I didn't try that one. Oh, no. Okay. Was, wasn't willing to go down that road. I've heard of warming lube, but not warming condoms. Yeah. That just sounds like a yes. science experiment. Yeah. Yeah. One. I 
know. I mean, so I, I took the advice and stayed away from warming, but I can tell you lube is definitely important, (laughs) (laughs) but don't use coconut oil with condoms because I learned that, that it kind of doesn't make the condom work. So (laughs) I mean, I learned a whole lot of things about condoms just through this experience. So (laughs) I feel like crowdsourcing from other women is like the best way to go. Right. Heck yeah. It is. Just ask your friends. I mean, that's what I mean. And just even in talking about uh, postpartum sex more often, because we, I think a lot of us feel things about it, but we don't talk about it or we feel embarrassed or even just like, you know, our, our like boobs leaking, like when milk comes out while we're having, it's, oh, it just heard dripping. Like, oh, it's just awkward. And, you know, there's so many moments um, where some, I think just with your spouse, if you're able to just embrace that kind of awkwardness in the middle of those intimate moments, it kind of really helps. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Totally. Mm-hmm. Totally. It seems like too, Desiree, you really thought about what you needed to like make this work for you. And I, I'm like, I love that. You know, like we have to think about what we need and and have the courage to articulate that. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. And I think uh, it comes down to knowing, to communicating that uh, with your spouse, because um, if you're able to do that and they might have needs too, when you're able to meet each other, it makes such a big difference uh, in your relationship and you can feel connected in those ways. (laughs) So good. And Leanna, you're a mom of multiples as Mm -hmm. well. I'm curious mm-hmm. how that is different even. Like you have three babies, two babies coming out of your vagina instead of just one. What are the dynamics? Your pelvic floor has right. to undergo a lot of stress and trauma. Um, talk to us about that. I think, I don't know if you would agree with this, Desiree. One of the things I noticed, cause I have uh, twins and then I had a singleton, a baby girl, right? Three, mine are three years apart. And I had so much retroactive grace for myself like I put a lot of pressure on myself around the twins, like even just trying to feed two babies or three babies at one time and the pressure and stress of that. And then when you have one baby to feed and one baby to get on a schedule for sleeping, if that's what you do or whatever, I just was able to look back at my first experience as like, oh my gosh, wow. Yeah, that was really hard. I was learning on the fly in an intense situation. Did you experience that too? That hundred percent. Yeah, yep. yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, I mean, I, I eat with now with Cambria, I can look back at the experience with the triplets and, you know, uh, do things differently. I learned so much, but it, like you said, you're just like, I mean, you're you're going fast and you're learning fast and uh, and it feels you're in a survival mode. I yeah. mean, all moms are, but it is chaotic and it's yeah. overwhelming and a lot to take in. Yes, and I just felt like I wish I could do this better. That's a little bit more my personality. Like, I wish I had a handle on this all the time, but we've talked about in previous episodes, like you're just, you're a beginner, you're a beginner, you know, but it's helpful to have the perspective of then having one baby and realizing, well, that it was overwhelming because that was an overwhelming experience. Yes. Hello. Oh, for sure. I, I mean, I feel that like deeply with Cambria because I look back with uh, the triplets and, you know, that experience was very difficult for me, but it also reminded me how important our village is because Mm -hmm. we can't raise our babies alone, whether we have one baby or 10 babies. You need support. You need uh, good friends and family. You need people in your life who are going to encourage you, especially in those low moments, because none of us know what we're doing. We're just trying to do the best that we can. And and that's what (laughs) my experience with the triplets taught me is that, boy, Mm -hmm. do I need some help with this. It's not easy. And, um, 
Um, and now having Cambria, I still need the support, yep. but mm-hmm. able to uh, embrace the journey a little bit better than I did with the triplets. <laughs> so was your postpartum depression and anxiety different, do you think? Or um, probably so, right? Because you had a little bit more of a sense of what to expect. Yes. Yeah. I, my, I, I suffered uh, pretty badly with postpartum depression and anxiety with the triplets. It was a really hard season for me. Um, really hard for me to recognize because like, like we've talked about, I had never done motherhood yeah. before. I didn't know what to look for. I didn't even, I'd never experienced depression before. I didn't know all these things that I was feeling. And then, um, now finding out when I found out I was pregnant again, of course, I was like worried about experiencing some of those things again. So I knew the conversations I needed to have with my husband. If you start to notice that I feel like down a lot or that I'm sleep deprived, we need to start making some choices. Let's get a sitter if we need a sitter. Let's um, uh, make sure we're getting out and talking to friends and family. Um, If I need to get therapy, I'm going to get therapy. Like just being more proactive about things that I knew I needed to take care of myself um, because I'd ex- that's because I've been down the road and I knew that if I didn't do those things for myself that I would fall into that place of depression and anxiety and um, and I know that I, I have not fortunately experienced uh, that again but I had definitely had that sleep deprivation, like to the max, um, where I am just exhausted mm-hmm. and trying to function. Um, trying to function as a mom while you're sleep deprived and, and is just, I mean, it's feels impossible and it's, it, you almost have to take it as like an hour by hour and get through that day. Um, but like I said, even with my daughter with Cambria, I've had to reach out to the support um, during those sleep deprived days um, where I just have had to say, I'm really having a hard day. I'm so tired and I just cannot keep up with my kids. Um, Can we get together? So I have a friend who's with me Mm -hmm. while I'm like with my kids. You know what I mean? It's just so important. One of those we need, we need each other and we need to know whatever it is um, that's going to help you in those seasons, um, whether it, whether it is, just getting an hour to yourself, you need to communicate that with um, with your spouse or your support. If you're a single mom, talk to uh, your family or your friends, someone that can stand beside you and say, I'm here for you, sister. I'm going to get you through this. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. What I love about that is that we also need to hear other moms say, I need help because it, it, it helps us to ask for help, right? We realize, oh, I'm not the only one that needs help. So I think that's very brave. So good. Absolutely. Absolutely. Because we often feel like we're alone in our struggles. Like no one else is feeling this way. No one's going to understand. We're afraid to say how we're feeling because does that make us a bad mom? No, this is just motherhood. This is the job. This is what we experience. It's It's all normal. But just having someone else say, girl, I know what you mean is huge. Mm. It's such a huge, uh, like it's, it's like confirming and, um, it makes you feel like, yeah, like we said, I'm not alone. It's okay. We go through these seasons, these ups and downs and, and we're going to get through it. We're going to raise great kids. Mm. And in a way, maybe not in a way, but it makes you a better mom by doing Mm -hmm. that, by asking for help. We tell our kids, you know, ask for help. Let me know if you need help. Ask a friend, ask your teacher, you know, versus sinking, you know, and then there's so much more to do and rescuing to do when you don't ask for that. And that is the importance of the village. You know, if there's somebody in the village that, you know, it's too much for them, 
maybe they're not part of your village. And I love yeah. that, that your three oldest are the village. They're part of the mm. village too. They are. They are. You know, when I found out I was pregnant with Cambria, we said to the triplets, okay, you're each going to have a job. What job do you want? So I've got one, 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 one of my boys is the pacifier grabber. So anytime she needs a pacifier, he's like, I'm the pacifier, man. Aww. I'm going to go get the pacifier. <laughs> and my daughter, she's just like, she's like, I'm like the second mom, mom. I'm going to help with whatever you need. And I'm like, okay, honey. <laughs> and then my, my third is he's like I'm the chef I know she only has your milk from your boobs mom but I'm the chef so if there's anything she needs let me know so now that she's on solids he's been a little bit more of our chef and that's establishing their relationships now you know awesome their little protectors it's, it's great to see that's cool mm-hmm. I'm curious I always love getting like a peek into other people's routines and like just daily choices. And I think I read on your blog somewhere that you put your kids to bed by seven. Yes. Is that accurate? Oh, yeah. We run that ship. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, we do. Okay, why did you make that a priority? Yeah, you know, um, I don't, it might be because we started off with three and had multiples, but I also really believe having a routine and that kind of structure is helpful for me and my kids. And when we, and having triplets, I mean, you have to have that structure. You need a, you know, Leanna, you might be able to relate to that, right? In some way. You need a schedule. You need a schedule. (laughs) And so, um, so they've always had that. Their bedtime has always been you know, uh, seven o'clock is bedtime. And that's that we have a very, I mean, they know, they know what to expect, which I think is great. They know, I mean, they have rest time, then they have dinner, then they have bath, then they go to bed. And, um, sometimes if they're, they just have to, they just sit in their room and read books if they're not quite that tired, but they know the routine. So they have it down, we have it down. And it's just when there is silence and it's like my time to just, mm-hmm. Ah, mm-hmm. you know, it's great. Yeah. <laughs> Do you have any other routines or just things that you incorporate into your daily family life that you found super helpful? Yes. You know, I feel like, like I have talked about routines, I think for us uh, and my family, and I think even just what this last year has taught us is, um, how important it is is are my kids being too loud? Can you hear them? It's okay. It's this just is how it okay. goes. Here. I'm sorry. Yeah. I'm like, um, so for us and our family, especially with this last year, I really just uh, learned how important it is for us to get out of the house. And so um, being stuck inside was became really difficult for our family. And so even just getting outside on a walk, a morning walk, um, has been helpful for us. Uh, incorporating the kids to help with dinner, whatever, whatever I'm doing, like, Hey guys, it's Jack's, it's your turn, buddy. You're going to chop up the egg and, and he'll, I'll give him his kid knife and he'll chop, chop up the egg. So I think just adding little pockets of routine throughout the day for the kids is helpful as well. Um, and in addition, we have to remember to take care of ourselves as moms. Um, and I think that that can be one of the hardest things to do. And so um, that's also a conversation I have continually had to have for with my husband because both of us need that time. It's not, I mean, moms need it, but husband, uh, fathers need that as well. And so we try weekly to give each other that time to be able to just kind of refresh a little bit so that way we can parent better, you know, because when you are able to kind of have that time for yourself where you can incorporate something that's that you need, I think that you can uh, you can mom a little bit better because you've been refreshed. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I love how you talk about modeling for our kids in all those ways, whether it's rest 
or restoring our bodies or souls. And I even think that extends to how we talk about sex with our kids. And so I'm curious how you guys are working to create healthy a healthy sexual culture in your family and how you talk with sex about sex with your kids. Any tips or ideas about that? Yeah. Um, so it's, you know, um, yeah, this is a great question. Our journey has been really interesting, you know, for us with the triplets, um, we, uh, did in vitro. And so we, our conversation with them has been a little bit different as opposed to, um, like what sex is. We talked to them about, um, how mommy and daddy needed help to have a baby. And so we went to go see a doctor and, um, and they made you in a little dish and then they put you in my belly and that's, then you became here, you know? And so I think having the honest conversation, you know, we, um, we recently did embryo, uh, adoption and we donated, uh, embryos to another family, which has also, uh, um, allowed us to have more conversations surrounding babies and mm -hmm. how they come into this world. And, um, and I, what I've learned from that is, is just having a very honest conversation with your kids, the best you can, there, there, they, they take in a lot of information more than we can give them credit for. And even if they don't understand everything, um, they will eventually. And I think that for us, um, obviously in moderation sometimes, but like being able to be honest with them and just say, you know, when mommy and daddy love each other and they want to grow a family um, and the timing is right, these conversations can always be fostered. And so um, even for my husband and I, there are times when I'm like starting to have the conversation with them about whatever the topic is. And I'm feeling like I'm not making sense. He'll dive in and kind of add to it. But um, I think it's important to have conversations with our kids um, when they are young, because I think that they, it, it's better for them to find out from you than it is from someone else or learn what sex is from someone else or what drugs are from someone else or mm -hmm. all those things. Like mm -hmm. you can, you can start these conversations now, um, and, um, help them as they grow to understand more of what that means. Mm -hmm. And then it sets the foundation for when they're teenagers and you need mm -hmm. to have even more in-depth mm -hmm. conversations, which yes. yeah, the I mean, foundation is laid yeah. that they can trust you exactly. and come and ask you the wildest thing and you, you will have an answer for them. And if you yes. don't, you'll say that too, mm -hmm. you know, absolutely. And I mean, and I think too, as parents, I mean, this is also part of parenting. You always, you don't always know what the right thing to say is, mm -hmm. or am, am I saying this right? Like, are they even going to understand this? But it's, it's when you're able to just be honest with them, I think that creates a relationship with you and your child um, that you are there for them. You will answer whatever questions they have. Um, and, it, and to be able to have that foundation with your, with your children, I think is incredibly important. Absolutely. You were talking about fostering that openness as it relates to sex. Do you feel like that how does that translate in your conversations with your daughters about body image? Do you feel like you guys oh. are, I mean, obviously not Cambria, but do you feel like you're already talking about that and, and how early they pick up messages and all that? Absolutely. Yes, absolutely. Uh, I think it's important for us uh, to be super conscious of the things that come out of our mouths because our, there are times when I'm like, oh my gosh, why, why did I say that? Like my kids, they hear everything. And with my daughter, we often do, we do this actually with all our kids, but I, in terms of body image, well, I'll do it with my daughter. Like, let's look in the mirror and let's let the same thing that I mentioned earlier. I am mm -hmm. beautiful. I am strong. I love my long hair. I love it when I wear this pretty dress. Um, those, you can do affirmations like that 
with your kids, whether they're, it doesn't, they can be boys, girls, you do those affirmations, mm-hmm. like, like let them know mm-hmm. that it is important for them to see that strength in them and to affirm all those things about themselves so they can grow up knowing they are all of those things. And mm-hmm. so I'll, we'll do that, uh, with my daughter all the time. Um, so that way she doesn't, cause it, cause it's so easy for our culture, even at such a young age to get sucked into that mindset of I'm, I'm not pretty enough. I, I wish my hair was a different color. I don't like my lips or, you know, all the things, you know, and, um, and it's, and though, and we can, we can help them change those, those ideas as, as early as, I mean, they can be just like, start talking, you know, mm-hmm. and, and just say it as a two-year-old, I'm so beautiful. You know, you just, you, you get that in their brains, you know, cause they are, they are, and they need to, they need to stand firm and know that about themselves. That's good. So good. Thank you so much for joining us today. Oh my goodness. Such what a, a treat. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So Thank good. you for having me. It's such an honor to be here. I just, I mean, I have so much love for mops as you guys know. So <laughs> I appreciate being part of the conversation today. Will you tell everybody where they can find you? Yes. You can find me on Instagram at the perfect mom. And I also have my blog, theperfectmomblog.com. Awesome. Thanks so much. We appreciate it. Thank you, Desiree. Thank you so much, you guys. I really appreciate the time together. Wasn't that so good? So good. I love her. She's so great. I really loved how she talked about her postpartum body and how like once she decided like this body is awesome and strong, Mm -hmm. that it just reframed her whole outlook on it. And she- was able shift. to enjoy her body more. Mm-hmm. Yeah, our, our daughters are about a week apart. So it's just been so helpful following her mm. and just, just for my own sake. Totally, <laughs> totally. Seeing her post those stretch images, um, stretch, mm-hmm. seeing her post those stretch marks. Um, it's just been so great for my mental health too, I think. Absolutely. And you actually did a poll about this, mm-hmm. about how um, women have learned to love their postpartum bodies. What did you share about that? Yeah, so- I asked just first, how many of you love your body after having children? 72% said no. Wow. Yeah. Um, And then we asked, what helped you love and accept your postpartum body? We had so many great responses. Um, Just some of my favorites. I mean, we had a lot of just diet, exercise, those typical responses, but those aren't the ones that, you know, really, I really thought moms needed to hear. The ones that I thought people needed to hear are just, you know, um, my husband, he recognizes the awesome things that my body has done to love and care for my children. Um, knowing that your kids rarely judge you, you know, your kids love you unconditionally. Um, and just recognizing time, you know, it takes time. Just like Desiree said, you know, you can't just expect to bounce back. You mm-hmm. just kind of have to throw out that phrase and, and not think about that. Um, this person said, telling myself I freaking pushed a kid out. That's not easy. And this is what I show for it. Um, and that, you know, she, I want to, my kids to see a healthy woman living happy in her skin. So that's their normal, um, proud of what my body can do. Knowing many that can't have children, I feel grateful. Uh, we had a few responses like that. And, um, knowing that the imperfections didn't define my beauty, Um, And then this very last one, I liked a lot and just resonated really well with me and Desiree in general. She said, following and being around moms who are confident in their body. Mm -hmm. That's good. Mm -hmm. That's really good. Mm -hmm. How did you guys feel postpartum? I, I'm going to be the annoying one. And I'm like, I felt amazing. I did too. I was like, I am so Mm -hmm. badass. Like I just felt 
so much more comfortable in my skin. I felt like I had accomplished something. Mm -hmm. And so Hmm. I don't know. I know that might not be, it might be annoying to say that, but I just felt like a warrior. I I don't even know. Mm -hmm. Yeah. For me, I felt with, with my first, I felt like postpartum was like the hardest part out of every part of pregnancy, labor, everything for me, postpartum was like a struggle. I think it was just because I wasn't, I didn't know what to expect, I guess. I, mm, yes. I didn't know how, you know, I wouldn't be able to take a walk down the block or right, right. like how much pain you'd be in through all of that. Um, so now with the second baby, I was definitely more prepared. And, and just like Desiree said, just talking with my husband about everything and what to expect. And mm-hmm. just that really being open about communication has helped a lot. Yeah. Okay. I've, I've, I think because I'd conquered um, most of my fears earlier on, um, as I shared on one of the previous podcasts of, of getting pregnant the way I did, how I did when I did, um, that I felt like I had conquered those fears that by the time I saw Dev, she was the prize. Mm. <laughs> like I went through all of that mm. to be able to look into her Afro face, you know, and her beautiful brown eyes looking back at me. It's I think all I was, worth it. yeah, it was worth it. And I know that, <laughs> that may land differently for different people, but, um, it, that was the win for me. What about you, Leanna? I think after I had the twins, all the ba- all my babies were all huge. And so after I had the twins, I had C-sections both times and I was my first C-section, I was surprised at how hard the recovery was. I was just surprised physically. It was hard. Mm -hmm. You know, I had had two huge babies and the C-section. And so I just physically didn't feel awesome for a while. And then once I recovered from the C-section, it was like, I don't have a bowling ball like sitting on my crotch anymore. (laughs) You know, it's like so good. I know that's not exactly the nature of the question, but then all of a sudden your body feels a little better. But yeah, I do think there is this sense of, empowerment to have done to, yeah, just to have done that. Yeah. I think if, if I could gift every pregnant woman something, it would be that recognition when they're holding their baby in their arms afterward, like that sense of empowerment Mm -hmm. and the Mm -hmm. importance that we are the only people on earth who can do this. That's right. Mm -hmm. And that is such a unique gift that we have as women. And so I just, I think it is such an incredible Mm. Thing that our bodies can do. So, and I know, I know, women are always concerned with their bodies afterwards. Just want to let you know, your husband's into it. <laughs> I think we need to hear that, right? Yeah, like, yeah it's yeah. great. I mean, kind of what you, I think, Chloe said is, you know, your body did all these amazing things, and you're the only one that can do that kind of stuff. Men know that, mm-hmm. and I, and I, and I don't know. I'm curious. It, it was very hard for me to, I felt like I was trying to convince Kristen the whole time and it just mm. wasn't going through. And so I guess for y'all who felt empowered and yeah, I'm a woman and that kind of stuff, maybe you didn't need any convincing, but Chloe, I was curious, did you feel like Adam was trying to convince you of it the whole time during the postpartum or did it? So I would say now our biggest struggle is like he is like, I'm still like, you know, just working on it, like getting there back to normal, you know, like things can still be painful, you know, six months later, especially if there isn't lube. <laughs> um, but I feel like now it's like, he's in this headspace, and that's like messing with me where he, because of my own struggles, like he feels like 
I don't want him. And that's not where mm. we're at, you know? Mm-hmm. And, um, and I just have to feel, and especially with words of affirmation being his love language, you know, I feel like I have to take extra time to just reiterate, you know, it's not you, <laughs> like it's actually me. Um, mm. And just make more of an effort to do that. Mm-hmm. Matt, how have you navigated? I mean, you guys have a new baby in your yeah. family. How yeah. has this conversation happened between you and Kristen? So the first, whenever we had Emery, it was, we had a lot of medical issues. She was under a lot of medication because her blood pressure didn't drop. Typically, if you do have hypertension or something like that, the blood pressure will eventually go down once you have your child. Didn't happen for us. It stayed really high at like a stroke level. And so she was on just a cocktail of craziness and her postpartum was unreal. I mean, for months and months, it it kind of sucked any amount of life out of our marriage. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, I was just so concerned with her the whole time. And it was, it was really, really tricky. Um, and also I didn't really, I didn't have any tools. I didn't know how to communicate. I didn't know what was going on. And so she finally started getting better and feeling better. And we weren't, we still weren't really having that much sex. And she was off the drugs. She was smiling again and all of that. And I felt, like all of a sudden she wasn't attracted to me anymore. And once again, we haven't had any conversations about it. It just, we, it got better once she got off the medicine and we're like, cool. But I think there's, it was like a postpartum after the postpartum kind of thing where we really hadn't talked about it that much. And so since I actually thought it was me, I actually doubled my workouts. So I was, I actually started going to the gym five to six times a day. I was like, well, I'm going to look as good as I can to make this work. Cause clearly she's not attracted to me anymore mm-hmm. after this experience. And I know Desiree even talked about being overtouched and that's definitely a space that Kristen lives in. And turns out um, I was actually making her feel worse about her body because I was looking better than I ever had. And it was all because we weren't talking about it. Like I didn't know that was what was happening. I just assumed which is always a bad thing to do in a marriage is assume. Mm -hmm. I just assumed it was me. And I was like, well, I'm going to lift more weights longer. I'm going to do everything I can. I was even doing things like surprising her with breakfast in bed two times a week. Wow. Like I was going so over the top and it had nothing to do with any of that. Mm -hmm. And I was making her feel worse because she was still recovering and wasn't able to do anything for me. Mm -hmm. And so I was month after month, making everything worse, all because we weren't having a conversation about what postpartum had done to her and the way she felt about her body and all of that. And uh, now that we've had James, uh, Janella, I think I had told you off the podcast, but I actually, when we were in the room after we had had James, I actually started crying. And I'm not an emotional person, but I started crying because Kristen was actually smiling. Hmm. Because she didn't smile four to five months after our first child Mm -hmm. because she was under so much medication and the depression was so heavy that I just like started crying in the middle of the hospital room because she was smiling, looking at her newborn. And like, that was just, and all of that is because, and I think we've talked about it a little bit here is it's the preparation. It's the things that go into it to prepare yourself. As new parents, we didn't have any of that. We didn't know what we were doing as I'm sure most are. And the second time around is easier, but- 
you know, we learned from our mistakes. We had the communication, we had that. And so if there's any challenge I can give to moms out there and women out there is your husband is your biggest champion. Talk to him about it. As uncomfortable as it is, you've got to talk to him about it. Because otherwise, there's a good chance he's going to make it worse. Mm-hmm. That's really good. Joe and I have this term that we use with each other and I'll say, okay, the story I'm creating here is, and because I create I stories that. in my head yeah. about what he's thinking mm-hmm. or feeling mm-hmm. and almost a hundred percent of the time it's inaccurate. And so it's like this icebreaker that we've just developed over the years where I can be like, okay, I feel really uncomfortable saying this, but the story I'm creating in my head is this, is that accurate? And he'll be like, Mandy, no, it's not at all. Mm-hmm. So I, I just think if you That's have those good. little lead-ins, sometimes mm-hmm. it takes the awkwardness <laughs> out of the conversation, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. you're so right. Like oftentimes this one conversation, it, it diffuses all of that weirdness or hurt mm-hmm. feelings and you can just kind of get on the same playing field again. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. And one time, like even just hearing their story, those two births were so different and the experiences after those, like trauma after the first one mm-hmm. informed the next year probably. Right. And then they had like a really sort of low key birth for the second time and they were able mm-hmm. to connect right away. And it's, I think that's important for us to remember that, and it requires communication that just because it went one way a certain time, good or bad, doesn't mean it's going to go that way another time. Mm-hmm. So we we have to communicate even though it's vulnerable. Absolutely. It is. Mm-hmm. And what I keep hearing is, is talk about it. Mm-hmm. You know, when you look back on the times that, you guys didn't and you're trying to get your abs looking right and your biceps and stuff. I mean, when what she needed wasn't that or, and vice versa, like if she spoke up, if Mm -hmm. you asked her the right questions, if you know that, that safe space and place to be able to say, this is how I'm feeling. That is one thing that I attribute to, to my relationship with Ricky. We talk about everything. It it was, it was a buildup, but now I'm like, oh, I don't want to hear that. Oh, wait, <laughs> you got to tell me because mm-hmm. we have created that to avoid that awkwardness with your best friend. And right, if we're talking about all the topics that are avoided as we grow up, I think sex is probably number one. Yeah. Top top Absolutely. five. Great and point. You want to talk Great about point. people unequipped yeah. for marriage. And I, I think it's kind of become a systemic thing that- our, our generation hopefully is trying to fix. But when you go into a marriage and you, you've never even had a conversation about sex, you don't even know what it is. You know, from the education standpoint due to the schools, what it, what it is. But if you don't even have the tools, I mean, it's, it's, an uphill fi- it's an uphill fight the whole time. And I definitely felt that throughout my whole, really marriage and just discovering all of those things. And if there was just more honest honest communication, mm-hmm. even the skills, Mandy, like the, the setup to that question, like that's mm-hmm. so good. Mm-hmm. I don't, you just saying that, I'm curious how many marriages you just made better because everyone's going to Ab- start absolutely. off like that. Like mm-hmm. it's just the tools that we need to communicate mm-hmm. well so that we can have health, healthy marriages and health, a healthy sex life, all of those things. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So right. good. Yeah, absolutely. I even think as we talk about trauma and shame and how when we have trauma and shame about our bodies or about different experiences we've had, it it just bleeds into other areas. So when we have shame about our body, it bleeds into shame in the bedroom. And Jay, I wanted—I was thinking about you guys last night because you have a healthy sex life. We've talked about this a lot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> you like 
Our, I'm, so ready. I'm so ready. Yeah. Leanna's got the notebook. I know. We need all of your <laughs> insider tips and tricks, but here's the truth. Your childhood, if we look at it, was not conducive to this beautiful, intimate sex life that you have with Ricky. Mm-hmm. And so how have you navigated that? And how did you get from that to this incredible relationship that you have? Yeah, you know, all jokes aside, I, um, I'm i grateful. Um, there are times, um, not TMI, because this is what we've set up for this podcast, but there are times, even in the height of our moments together, that I'm truly worshiping God because it could have been opposite. Um, I was abused as a child, as I know uh, a ton of our listeners have uh, been. And so that that's the seriousness of it. And the um, the redemptive piece is, is the counseling and the, the build of the trust and, and all those things that I journeyed through. Um, and, it, and I was able to go through that with my sisters who were also abused. My mom was abused. Um, and so it was this generational um, just suckiness when it came to sex and intimacy. And so having Rick in my life and early on, and, and, and it started rough because I had to share with him, this is what I'm afraid of. This is what I don't like. Please don't do this. Please don't hold me that way. You know, was there were more triggers. So I, I will I will say setting it up first in being a, in a healthy relationship because it won't go well if the relationship itself is not healthy, right? And so that was our foundation. Um, and I realized I could trust how he touched me, when he touched me, what it meant, what his touch meant. Um, and it it was the the feeling to me was good versus the feeling of being touched earlier was not, it was good for the other person, but it wasn't good for me. Right. And so I'm um, talking about all those things in, in what I'm hearing again in this conversation is communicating. We talk about those things. Um, there were a few times early on that he would do this certain thing with my ear. And I don't, I'm not an ear licker person. Like don't lick my ears. Like that just feels, cause it, I'm, but you do like to hold his ear when you're falling I love asleep. to hold yes. his ear. I love to play with his ears, but it just feels like my ears wet. And so then I just, I end up going to wipe it. But anyway, in that moment, he's like, yeah, I'm getting this. She's loving this. And I, I finally like not in the moment because that's just rude. But later on, I was like, yeah, you know, that thing you're doing that you really think I love. I don't like that. You know, so we have been able to communicate back and forth. And then he'll tell me something, which there aren't any because everything I do to him is amazing. But, you know, he'll stop and say, you know, I don't really like that one thing that you do. <laughs> you know, and so, so, you know, 28 years in, y'all, I'm being real serious, 28 years in, he still makes my curls, my, my toes curl. And, and he, you know, I'll look over at him and, and he's knocked out. I'm like, yeah, I knocked you out. Like it just, <laughs> it's still this really amazing, but, but it's not major tips and tricks or things. It is the fact that we communicate. This is what I love. If I love uh, ben and Jerry's pistachio, pistachio ice cream, why would you bring me chocolate chip, right? So if I've expressed to you and I've told you what I love, if he's doing what I love, all bets are off. And I do agree that the buildup into the bedroom, especially for women, uh, and I'm not sure where I read this, but it's like w- women are an oven w- when it comes to intimacy and sex where men are like a microwave, like they can instantly get aroused. 
um, I can walk in the house looking busted and Rick is like ready. And I'm like, look at me. <laughs> like, <laughs> what, what is attractive about me right now? Like, I know I'm fine, but like, what is it? You know, but but he knows the buildup outside of the bedroom is important. Talking to me, encouraging me, loving me. So by the time we get there, you know, he can do whatever he wants. Um, but the communication is important. And I think um, working on that trauma, ex- expressing what I went through in that, I felt closer to him. He felt closer to me. He knows that there are certain things that I need. I know that there are certain things that he needs so he doesn't feel like he's doing anything um, that may make me feel a certain way. It, it all, again, just bottom line is is the health of it. The foundation of it for us is that we were healthy um, going in. And so now it's awesome all the time. You guys are such an inspiration with your sex life. And I love how it just comes back to communication and how that is one of the key things that is so important. But there is this really interesting article that came out of Indiana University recently, and they surveyed couples. And the results were that over half of them said that they're having way less sex this past year during Mm -hmm. the pandemic. Mm -hmm. And I think it's because of the levels of stress and Mm -hmm. the impact on our mental health. Mm -hmm. And so what thoughts do you have about why that might be? Yeah. I mean, uh, Rick and I are unique. Obviously we don't have kids at home. Um, they're all adults and, um, raising their own families. Um, and so we didn't, we didn't have the stressors, some of the stressors at home that a lot of families had, um, going through this. And so, but the moments that we did have, you know, little tips here and there, um, just being at home and under each other all the time, you know, that's not your coffee cup that you just drunk out of. That's my coffee cup. You know, those moments were short lived because we knew, okay, we're in this together. We're stuck in this house for God knows how long. Um, and so we, we were intentional and actually had an early on conversation about it because we heard another couple kind of struggling with it, um, to be intentional about it, you know, either I'll yell up or down or he'll yell up or down. I'll get bedtime, you know, going like we were intentional about when it was time for bed. We were intentional about when to turn the TV off, when to talk, when to spend time together. Um, Again, just back to communication and sharing what we knew was important um, during this time. And, and part of that was our, was our sex life. So important. One mistake Joan and I made when we had little kids was we didn't normalize having our door shut. Oh, and man. so I feel like every time our oh, door shut, our kids are like, <laughs> <laughs> which has been particularly challenging during the pandemic because our kids are staying up late. We're staying right, up late. Right. And so it's always so awkward and just like, okay, um, we're just going to close the door. <laughs> you got to build that early. Our kids, we, our door was closed. They knew to knock before they walked in and we would make jokes. We're like, well, you might see something you may not want to see if you open this door. Um, and and we would also Good. not Good. at a certain age, obviously when they were babies, we'd let them climb in bed with us. But but at a certain age, we're like, okay, you can't be in the bed. You might roll over and feel something you don't want to feel. So th- we also <laughs> made sure that they knew where their beds were so that Rick and I, again, were intentional about our, t- our time together. That's so one of fun. our things. We had him like from the moment before Axon was born, he's like, our kids are never sleeping in our beds with <laughs> yeah. us. Like, we're just going to set that now right. because I think his sister slept with in, in their parents' bed till she was like more than 10 years old. So oh, oh, I just could not imagine. Okay. Yeah, okay. seriously. Yeah. Do you guys have TVs in your bedrooms? No. We do. no. we do. Yeah. I mean, Star Trek in the background works as well. 
There so, you go. Yeah. When I was married, that was one of our things. It's like, we're not going to have a TV in the bedroom because that was, you know, this is separate time. I'm yeah. such a hippie that I'm like, no electronics, <laughs> my hippie nightlight, That's such a my good salt lamp. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, we had the salt lamp too. Yeah. yeah. Yep. My blue blocker awesome. glasses. Um, one tip I will share. We have an amazing uh, song list. Oh, really? We, oh, Could yeah. you share that? I'll just Playlist roll over and play it on my phone or he has a Bluetooth um, Is that the uh, radio like, in his. It, that's it. Can we add it to the <laughs> yeah. show notes? So Bruno everyone on can... there, Prince is <laughs> on there, Prince, Usher obviously. is on there. Like, I mean, it's instant, you know, I've got a candle. So yeah, we I feel we like that might come in handy for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I'm just I mean, curious how that conversation starts. It's like, Hey, babe, just by the way, I'm going to start Janella's playlist. <laughs> Who's Janella? Don't worry about it. You're going to love it. <laughs> I, and I will say I've made playlists for friends. That really? They, yeah, yeah, that they have. Do yeah. you, <laughs> cool. <laughs> what? Ask me. Do you like <laughs> create a tempo? <laughs> so it's like it starts out. Well, uh, there is a like, tempo to to the songs, yes. And okay. then there's a, the, you the, the, the you last song where you're and... like, yeah, that's the song. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So there's so there's a deadline. There's like, it's like a countdown also. <laughs> you, you've got to achieve this by this. Right. Yeah. A lot of pressure. I'm yes. telling you, you're, you're going to want this set list. Okay. You got to share it. <laughs> Okay, last thing I was noticing, I have teenage girls right now. And when I was a teenager, we all wanted to be Kate Moss, right? Like stick thin. That was our ideal body that we are all striving for. And candidly, I had a eating, now we call it disordered eating, but an eating disorder in high school for a lot of different reasons. One, I wanted to feel in control, but two, like that was what we all strived for. And I'm watching my girls and that was one of my fears, watching them grow up and struggling with body image. And I have to say, I have been so amazed and refreshed by how this concept of body image has shifted. And now my girls wanna be strong. Mm. They wanna be curvy. Like they are not trying to be this thick, thin um, ideal that nobody can achieve. And I, Ellie, my middle daughter, the other day was like, mom, I can do 12 pull-ups. And like, that was for her, like the ideal that she is strong and she can do more pull-ups than her friends. And I was just so pleased to see that. Do you guys see that in your daughters? How is that landing? Because I'm so encouraged by this culture. And I feel like it really comes from some of us women who have a few more years and can then look back and help our daughters and help other women who are a little bit behind us on the journey to reframe that perspective of how we want our bodies to feel and look. Mm -hmm. And that is really powerful. And it gives us a huge opportunity as moms to do that for each other and our kids. I saw something online and it was a girl, it was like, my daughter was trying on jeans and they wouldn't fit over her. And her response was, mom, my thighs are too powerful for these pants. I love it. I love that. So good. Yes. Yeah. I grew up with a major bubble butt. I mean, I still have a major bubble butt. I don't, is that an okay term to use? Yeah, and that's how, in right now. I mean, you would you be like, to have. yeah. So yeah. it's an interesting, my relationship with my butt has evolved because when we, I was in that same era, Mandy, of like, we just want to be as invisible as possible. Right. But I was also an athlete. And I think that's one of the things that saved me from a body image standpoint is I really needed, I wanted and needed to be strong and powerful. Mm. And I needed that butt. You know, I needed that butt to jump and play volleyball and do all that. And I I don't know. I think that's helped me to um, even now I kind of can look back and appreciate it. And and now, of course, it's like that celebrated. 
And it's helped me to kind of say, oh yeah, this is good. This is a good part of me. Well, and really men are looking for something to grab. Exactly. To be <laughs> so, my husband says. Uh, yeah. so there was a time in college where Kristen was really, she had done, she had like gained the freshman 15 or whatever and all of that. And of course that's when I just met her. And so she started losing a lot of weight and we, we'd started dating and I let her know, I was, uh, I was like, Kristen, I am not interested in a toothpick girl. It's, I don't find it attractive. And so I think, I think a lot of women see maybe the movies or the magazines and they make those assumptions. And I think society's in a better, in a healthier place now, but mm -hmm. I don't know if that was ever actually what men wanted. Mm -hmm. Because like I said before, men, they want something to grab. That's just what it is. Yeah, you and do so, wonder how that evolved because you think about like Marilyn Monroe, right? She was right. thick and curvy. And, right. Hmm. I, I will say um, not 100%, but for the most part, culturally, um, in the brown race, um, thickness was celebrated and is celebrated. And so my curves, my daughter's curves, um, what I was blessed by is that she... Uh, you know, has always said to me, mom, you didn't shy away from a mirror. You always, you know, maybe to a fault of like, girl, look how good I look in these jeans, you know, <laughs> so never awesome. asking Rick, do I look fat in these jeans? I'm like, no, I look good in these jeans. Yes. Yes. Shake your head. Yes. You know? And so, so also realizing I was modeling that for her where she was around girls who were thinner, who were, you know, had the, she went to a predominantly white school. So she saw just a different girl mm -hmm. and, and would come home with, you know, I want to look like this, or she even wanted to change her name once to one of her, her Caucasian friends. And I'm like, what, you know, but also understanding that eventually, you know, I, I, sometimes I think they're just too young to understand it, you know, at seven and eight years old, not too late or even too early to um, start to plant those positive um, affirmations in their mind. But later, do they fully embrace? Like, how long did it take for us to fully embrace if, if we're there yet? You know, my daughter just turned 30 and she's learning to embrace who she is. Hmm. Um, she's a, she intellect is important to her. Being aware of, of the world's issues and problems are important to her. You know, helping her neighbor is important to her. And so um, her body realizing and I and I say this on my walks in the morning I'm like Lord I'm so tired but my legs are working my arms are working my lungs yes, are working right. you know I can see uh -huh. where I'm going you know right. mm -hmm. shifting uh, the things that I do love about about my body and Ricky you know it's important I think Matt for husbands to affirm um, the wives especially in the areas that they probably think they have issues mm -hmm. in like there are parts of my body that I look at that I'm like mm, you could be working on that but for the most part I think I'm pretty badass and Rick tells me that mm -hmm. and so I feel that you know when when that affirmation is there too of like baby you look good even I do thanks for telling me I already knew but it's good to hear you mm -hmm. know yeah my goal is to get a solid eye roll from Kristen if I if what I say gets a really good eye roll I know I'm on the right that's path because right. she'll you know she'll do something and I'll just like hey babe Views good, real good right, from here. Right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and she just gives me the biggest eye roll. I'm like, yeah, yeah that was a win today. That kind of stuff is Man. so important. I don't think yeah. men realize how important it is. Even just like mm -hmm. we were out for a walk yesterday, and Joe stopped me. He's like, your eyes are so gorgeous, oh, and I was like, Aww. you are a silly. Man. I know, but you're like, but thank inside, you. I'm like. Thank you very That's much. Right. That's right. Yeah, Love it makes that. a huge difference. All right, well, let's wrap up. What an awesome conversation mm -hmm. we've had today. So, so just to close, I want to offer a motto 
to practice anytime we find that we're starting to psych ourselves out from having fun or doing something significant because we feel insecure about our body. And so here's the motto, let's do it anyway. And here's why this is important. I know a woman, she's a family member of mine who didn't wear shorts for 40 years because she didn't like her perfectly normal thighs. She didn't swim with her kids, didn't know what it felt like to have the warm sun on her legs. She would only make love to her husband in the dark. And I talked with her when she was in her 80s and nearing the end of her life. And she told me that she regretted missing out on so much goodness simply because she thought that her thighs were too jiggly. And she said if she had to do it all over again, she would get over herself and enjoy her body. Mm. And so this is why anytime you start talking yourself out of doing something good that would bring you life to the full, I want you to repeat this to yourself. Do it anyway. I want to play in the ocean with my kids and I don't feel confident in a bathing suit. Do it anyway. I've always wanted to roller skate, but I don't want it to be awkward. Do it anyway. Do it anyway. Do it anyway. Love you, friends. Hey, friends. Thank you for joining us for Moms Unscripted, a production of Mops International. A quick reminder that opinions discussed are solely the opinions of the individuals and do not necessarily represent the organization. For more information on today's episode, please visit mops.org backslash Moms Unscripted podcast for show notes. And join us again next week for another unscripted conversation around the Mops table.